You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Sorry that we had to cancel last week. I This happens all the time. Uh, this is just the way me and West Texas get along. I've had allergies my entire life, and I had to do the shots. I had to do all that stuff growing up in Oklahoma, and then Houston and East Texas. It's just like pollen. I would come out to go to school or go to drive to class in college, and your car would literally be yellow from pollen. It was so intense. They cut down trees out there, and there's a cloud of pollen in the shape of the tree as it first moves. It's the craziest thing in the world. And so I've had allergies everywhere except West Texas, which just doesn't make any sense. Uh, But four times a year, when the seasons change, I get a cold and I'm useless. And Sarah thinks I'm just a big baby, but it's a man cold, all right? They're hard, they're intense. We don't get them very often, and we, we, we are debilitated, and we have no function but laying down and just moaning and complaining and asking you to bring us stuff. Um, so that was Wednesday for me, uh, so that's why we canceled, and just know that if I'm ever out and the season's changing, you know why, uh, because it's just come. But anyways, so all that to say, we're getting back into... Uh, the gifts of healing. That's what we're talking about tonight. This is the part two. Uh, really excited about this. We're going to go through and review just because it has been a few weeks since we talked about it. So I'm excited to get into this and just continue with this. A uh, lot of really powerful implications. Um, and this is something that you'll probably hear Sunday, but this was just a, it was a powerful word for me when the Lord just told me this. And this is crucial with, with the gifts especially gifts like uh, spiritual gifts, like healing, like the miraculous that are not known for just always naturally flowing. And we'll talk about that and clarify that a little bit more. Uh, But something that we need to recognize, if we go back to the story of Elijah, uh, because he also parted water, right? He He parted the Jordan. He parted... The, the same body of water that Jesus would later be baptized in. It's important to recognize that because Jesus was often compared and they thought that it was the spirit of Elijah. All right, so that's important to recognize. Um, and there's a lot of cool similarities in that story, but I, I, the Lord just spoke this today when I was working out. I was doing step-ups. It was just the worst thing in the world, so I needed some encouragement. And he said that, that just as Elijah parted, the sea, that this is, he is parting, he has parted our limitations. What was once limited to us, just as the Israelites were limited by the body of water, there was no path for them. The Lord has, the Lord has parted what once limited us. Our limitations have been parted. There is, a, there is a path that goes right through them. If we would look at the gifts of the Spirit with that understanding, 
that my limitation, not by my own doing, but by the Spirit of God and only in the Spirit of God are my limitations parted, then we approach the gifts of the Spirit with confidence, not something to be achieved, not something to be worked towards, not something to be earned. But these things have been parted not by my doing, but by His. And if I remain in Him, limitations will continue to be parted. And He will make a way through what once prohibited you from moving forward. Okay, and so that's really, if I could summarize the entire gift series, if you could take away anything, I would hope that it would be that. That the Lord, through the sacrifice of Jesus and defeating the grave and through the receiving of the Holy Spirit and Jesus' sacrifice, your limitation has been done away with through the Spirit of God, and only found in the Spirit of God. So anyways, with all that said, just some quick review. We know this. We talked about this. Again, this is just the disclaimer before we get into it. A fact about all the gifts of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is the source. It is absolutely impossible to operate in these giftings without the Holy Spirit. He is the seal of authenticity and authority. The display of the gifts will always look like the, father, the, the heart of the Father, No gifts of the Spirit are meant to elevate any one person, but instead the body of Christ as a whole. Um, And uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the gifts of healing. Really important to catch that, that it's plural. It's the gifts of healing. And then what is labeled after that? The gift of miracles. Of miracles. It's profound to think about because what do we think when I say healing? What do we tie that to? We tie that to miracles. Right? But there's, there's a lesson within that because of that comma. Because they're mentioned separately, there's a lot for us to understand within that. And we talked about that. And you can read that in 1 Corinthians 12. But uh, it is mentioned separately from the gift of miracles. A miracle, by definition, is an instantaneous work of God. Immediate results. When a miracle exists, if somebody has cancer and, and they receive a miracle of healing, they are completely and totally in that place restored fully. It is an instantaneous work of God. But the gifts of healing, these imply and include a process. The Lord wants you to join with Him in the work that He wants to do in you. It is a process of healing. The process includes the body, it includes the soul, and it includes the spirit. He wants us fully engaged with Him. And also, the healing process may include more than a physical ailment. Because the Lord will always seek to heal the heart. Deliverance ministry, what Randy has done for years, what he did for years here and what he's still doing today, what I do through any counseling, this is where we always end up is deliverance. Deliverance from a false identity and receiving the identity that the Lord has given. That is healing because it's a process of restoration to the original design that God had in his heart and intended for you since the dawn of time. That is healing. So it's not just the physical manifestation, but unfortunately, that's all we've limited healing to. And so when we don't see a physical manifestation of healing in a body, we attribute that to the Lord not doing anything. How many times I've sat in that office and I've seen people healed from false identities, from lies that have had, it, had their way with the, these people's lives for as long as they can remember, has, has dictated every decision, every action, everything they've ever done has been dictated by this lie and the Lord breaks that chain. He frees them from that lie. That is healing. And deliverance ministry highlights this perfectly because it is a process of healing. 
Very rarely does somebody come in in one session and leave knowing what their false identity was, having been delivered from it, and having received their true identity. That has happened. But even in that moment, it was a process. It's not like they walk through the door and two seconds later they're out the door totally healed, right? It's always been a process, even if we're only in there for an hour. I've had in my office somebody come in and within two hours, we had a false identity, we had their true identity, they're delivered, they received their true identity, they uh, just totally repented from all, all these other things that were not of God, and they were baptized in that baptistry and received the Holy Spirit. Two hours, boom, done. Just like that. And I've also had people that have come to my office for years. I have, I have a person right now that has been meeting with me for about six months, and the Lord continues to highlight to them aspects of their identity without releasing the fullness of their identity because he needs to teach them about what it entails before he tells them what it's called, okay? So it's a process, and it's a process that's dictated uh, by the Lord. So a miracle can include healing, but it is without process. It can include physical healing. It can include immediate deliverance. Um, And healing is a miracle in process, in progress. So why the process? Uh, Some things can only be learned. They can only be changed. They can only be transformed and discovered within a process. An instantaneous work would not do justice to the fullness of what the Lord intends to do in this person. Right? That's just a vending machine. If you're hungry, you go to a vending machine, you get what it has. But how oftentimes is that not suitable for what your body actually needs? Right? What you actually need. A bag of chips is not what you need to feed your body when you're really, really hungry. Okay? So the Lord knows these moments. It's like, no, an instantaneous work is not what you need. You need the process of healing. And so he will invite us into these things. Uh, so... The, the real question that we began to look at uh, two weeks ago is, why have we missed this? I have never in my life, I've grown up in church, grown up in church. Whether I wanted to be there or I didn't want to be there on Sundays, we were at church my entire life. And I'm grateful for that now, um, but that's just how I grew up. And I have never once been taught or even had it pointed out to me that 1 Corinthians 12 mentions the gifts of healing and the gift of miracles separately. And why? No one has ever taught me this. No one has ever dove into this for me personally to learn. So this was, when I read that and just stopped for a second and actually paid attention to what I'm reading because we are so guilty of this, we just read through scripture, especially scripture that we've read often. We just boom, we plow right through. We're like, oh, that's good. And we miss 99% of what the word just said. There's so much within a comma, right? There's, so, there's a pause for a reason, right? The Lord does this. Uh, how often have we, have we read through a passage and just read therefore and just kept reading? I, I heard this uh, from Kendall McDonald, but what's the therefore, therefore? Because it's a result of something. It's a fruit of something. It's an extension of something. So I need to read everything before the therefore so I can understand what is, why is this the result, right? And so we we read too quickly, but why have we missed this? Well, one of the main reasons that the Lord has just highlighted to me over the last several weeks 
is that we form theology internally. And when you form theology internally, when you form theology within yourself, within your flesh, not guided by the Holy Spirit, not through revelation, but within yourself, you will always form it around what did not happen instead of what did happen. We will always look at what we don't have and ignore what we do. When you form theology internally, you will always begin to adjust around what didn't happen. And so we have books, we have teachings. We've seen, I've seen this in movies uh, where it's, well, why, why is this miracle not taking place? People are praying, why didn't it happen? Well, have you sinned lately? This is probably because of unrepentant sin that your child has got cancer. It's like, What? Where is that in the heart of God? Where is that in the nature of God? That he would punish a child because of a, uh, a parent's, uh, because they cut somebody off or they said a dirty word. Cancer for your child. That's not the Lord that we know. That's not who he is, right? That's not how that works. That, that is a result of theology formed internally around something that did not happen, right? Okay, why, why was there not immediate miraculous healing in this moment. Oh, it must be because they haven't repented. That's theology formed internally around what did not happen. Uh, but Jesus, being the teacher that he is in John 5, 19 through 20 says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. This is Jesus defining ministry by all that we cannot do. Jesus says right there, the Son does nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. He has just said, I am not the author of any of this stuff that you've seen. And any of the things that you will see, I'm not the cause. I am not the, I, I, I am not the originator of this. I only operate in obedience to what the Father reveals to me. So in this moment, Jesus is defining ministry by all that we cannot do because we are not meant to do it, but rather be vessels for the Holy Spirit that he could freely move through us to do all that we cannot. That is all we are. We are vessels for the Holy Spirit. We are meant to carry him into places that he leads us that he could freely move in those places that he's led us to, like Sundown, Texas. He has led each and every one of us here, not so that we can just be here and try our very best to make Sundown better, but so that we can get out of the way and allow him to move freely because we are only vessels meant to carry him and introduce him into places. We're meant to introduce him into the environments that we enter into. And lastly, in a review, we read in Malachi 4.2 that healing is a display of righteousness. It is a fruit produced by righteousness. And righteousness, this makes total sense when you look at righteousness, righteousness perfects and restores. It is the nature of righteousness. And so does healing. It perfects and it restores. This is the nature of healing. And so today we're going to speak specifically about the use of this gift, the gifts of healing. Uh, and first off, we need to remember uh, Hebrews 11. We talked about this when we talked about the gift of faith, but it's important for us to, to just review this. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith 
is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered up to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gift. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he, that he rewards those that seek him. Hebrews 11. So important for us to recognize, so important for us. This is one of those passages that you can read so quickly and you miss one of the most profound verses in the Bible. Hebrews 11, verse 6. It is impossible to please him without faith. It is impossible to please him without faith because why? It is impossible to know him without faith. It is impossible to walk with him without faith. And therefore, it is impossible to know him and his gifts. Because if you do not know the Father, you will not know the Holy Spirit. If you do not know the Holy Spirit, you will never see the gifts of the Spirit flow through you. All of the gifts of the Spirit originate This is also important. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance of what? Things unseen. This is is so profound to me because I don't think any, uh, I don't think a lot of Christians really stop and think, think this through. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The conviction. I know it's there. I don't have to see it to know it's there. All of the gifts of the Spirit start out unseen. They are unseen until they are made manifest in the flesh. But they are unseen. They start and originate from the place of the unseen. But if I am not convicted of the unseen, which is our Father who is in heaven, the Holy Spirit who is here now, we don't see Him. We can see the effects of Him. We can see the manifestation of Him. But we do not physically see the Holy Spirit right now in this moment. If we are not convicted of the things that are unseen, how can we ever hope to wield the gifts of the Spirit, which start out unseen? The fruit they produce is seen, but they originate from the unseen. If we don't have faith to trust in that which is not seen by our eyes, how could we ever hope to step into the gifts of the Spirit? This is a serious hole that I believe we as believers have allowed to exist within our personal walks for far too long. We are not convicted of the things that are unseen. We live only desiring to see the tangible. But the tangible things that are fruits and extension of God and His people always start from the unseen. And they always originate. They always flow, rather. They always flow through those people who have faith and conviction that they exist, even though I have not seen it made manifest in front of me. I know that it is real. I know that it is seen. I know that the Holy Spirit wields these giftings as He sees fit, as the Father is in agreement. And I know that the Holy Spirit will operate in obedience to the Father's heart. And if there is to be miracles that break out, they will break out. Because they are real and they are there and they are present. 
that all the gifts of the Spirit originate in the unseen. So if you lack faith, how could you ever hope to see that which is unseen or experience that which is unseen if you lack faith? And oftentimes what, what becomes the, the guilty party within this, this is something that we all do, we stop short of experience, short of experience the un, experiencing the unseen when we become satisfied with knowledge. So we go to church, we go to the Bible study, we listen about these giftings, we learn about these giftings, and then we become satisfied with the knowledge that we've gained from being in here and listening to these lessons coming on Sunday. So much of, of, of a church congregation is made up of people who are just satisfied with the knowledge that the preacher will impart, and they stop at that point of receiving knowledge, never to experience all that was just spoken. That's one of the most infuriating things for pastors. Because we preach, and then you come and you're like, well, I got this going on, I got this going on, I got this going on. I'm like, you, I saw you here on Sunday where the Lord literally brought a word perfectly constructed for everything you're dealing with right now. But you stopped short of knowledge. You were satisfied with knowledge and you never got to take a step into experience as the Lord intended. He does not desire for us to come in here, receive the knowledge and just tuck it away for a rainy day. He desires that it would be immediately applied to your life, that from this moment forward, this is the standard. This is what the Lord has said, and I will believe nothing but this. And I, then you can go out and experience it. But we stop short of experience because we become satisfied with knowledge. Don't do this with the spiritual gifts. But that's what so many of us have done in the church today, in the modern churches. We have become satisfied with the knowledge, always stopping short of experience. Knowledge can only get you so far when it comes to the unseen. And the reality is that some gifts flow very naturally. And this is where knowledge can only get you so far when it comes to the unseen. Some gifts flow naturally. There was no doubt that Randy had a spiritual gifting of what? It's one of the first ones we talked about. Wisdom. That's exactly right. He had an anointing of the gift of wisdom. Without question. We all have access to this, and the Holy Spirit brings all of this to us. He desires, what, what does James say? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. And the Father who, who, who gives freely will impart this to you. So we're all meant to have it. But some of us just have more than others, right? They just flow and ooze wisdom. And that was Randy Winfrey. Um, and that's one of those giftings that just flows. We just see these. It just, it just seems, it's just who they are. They are just the manifestation of this gift. But some other gifts have to flow because of a decision to press into them. A decision to press into them in a, in a time where it is necessary for authenticity of the gospel. I will press into this because this is necessary now. And I will, I will press in. I will step further in. And the Lord is simply waiting for those that are willing to step in. Right? Uh, oh, I'm just, I'm blanking on the, oh, blanking on the name. Who prayed for it not to rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years? Who was it? You guys, you guys know who I'm talking about though, right? I don't think it was Elijah. Who was it? I think it might have been Elijah actually. 
I think it might have been Elijah. Um, it is Elijah, right? Yes. Boom. Bible points for the pastor. <laughs> I can't tell you where it is, but I know that that's real. But then what, what immediately happens when he begins to pray for it to rain? He presses in. And now, guys, he's not just sitting there like, don't rain. Cool. He presses into this. He presses into this day and night. And then when, when rain is needed, what does he do? He presses in for the release of it. Because some gifts require a person to step in and begin to really step into the thick of things to see this released. To really begin, what is intercession but stepping into the thick of it? Un, uh, unwilling to move from this place, but to step in for these people and really press into the Lord to release this gift. Um, and, and some of those gifts are just absolutely necessary. And the gifts of healing, the gift of miracles, those are those gifts that are not just going to always flow. They're not just going to be effortlessly existing in the body. Not all the time. They do in moments that the spirit breaks out and it's just like, boom, there's just miraculous. It's just happening. But oftentimes, it requires us to press in, especially the gifts of healing, going back to deliverance ministry. I can't, and I wish that it was this easy. I wish that I could just go up to someone that needs deliverance ministry and just set up a time for them to come sit in my office and it just happened. But I can't do anything until they're ready for change, right? You can't help anyone that needs help until they recognize that they're drowning. It doesn't matter. If someone's drowning in the middle of a lake, uh, but they, in their mind, they're not, they're crushing it, and you throw them a lifeline, they're not going to grab it. Not until they recognize they're in need of help will they reach out, okay? So um, this, this is the nature of, of these things. It, it just doesn't always flow. It requires us to press in. It requires a choice to press into something uh, difficult, press into something big and, and, and choose it. And it also requires to do that, to step in and know when it's the time to really press in for the release of this gift. It requires faith and it requires trust and it requires discernment. I've got to know when the Spirit is saying, hey, press in right now. Press into it. But if I don't have the faith and conviction of the unseen and trust because it is a result of my relationship with the Father, I will not have the discernment and therefore I will not press in. And that's what we see. This is plain and simple. We live in a world today that lacks relationship. I heard this in a podcast. Uh, They're talking about uh, just New York and how busy it is and all this different stuff. And um, this guy has lived in an apartment complex for 10 years and his neighbor's been the same for 10 years. He's like, I don't even know his name. I don't know anything about his life. This is the reality of the world that we live in. We have so much technology that's supposed to connect us, right? So you can stay connected with your friends and we have less connection than we've ever had. People do not press into relationship. So do you think they're not pressing into relationship around them, but they're just pressing into relationship with the Lord? No, that is, a, that is an extension of the absence of relationship with the Father. If you don't have relationship on the earth, start there. 
Start with your relationship with Jesus. Are, are you, do you have deep and meaningful and profound relationship with him that where he, you know he knows the depths of your heart and you know the depths of his? For you, for your family, for, for your friends, for the people around you, for your city, do you know the depths of his heart for those things? If you don't, then you lack deep relationship. If you lack deep relationship there, you'll lack deep relationship everywhere. That's just a fact. You cannot argue that. That's just the reality. That doesn't mean you have to have a thousand deep relationships, but you're not going to have even one if you don't have it first with him. There will always be things hidden and always things withheld. Um, It requires faith. It requires trust and, and deep discernment. And we need to also recognize that the miracle, the healing, all of it, this is so important. And this is, this is a mentality shift. And so much of tonight is about a mentality shift when we look at the gifts of healing. And a lot of this ties into the miraculous that we'll talk about next week. But um, we have to have a, a mind shift to the reality of what this is. Um, so we need to recognize that all of this, and this should just take weight off of our shoulders, all of this has already been paid for. All of it has already been paid. It is in the account. It is in your account. It is in your account to pray healing into existence. It has absolutely already been paid for. It has already been paid for. And I, I say this uh, because so often when praying for healing, what do we do? We beg and we plead. We beg and we plead. I, I, I do this. I fall guilty of this all the time. And it's so natural to step into, uh, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but anyways, we, we beg and we plead. And I, there's this quote from Bill Johnson that puts this into perspective. And this one I had to really, I had to chew on for a second because this, th- this is a big one. But for us to beg for healing is for us to assume we have more mercy than he does. And let me unpack that. Say that, say that again. For us to beg for healing is for us to assume that we have more mercy than he does. So for me to sit down, say, say Sarah needs healing, and to beg and plead the Lord, I, I, am, I am saying in that moment of begging that I recognize a person in need of mercy. Lord, you need to pay attention because this person needs mercy. As if he does not already know this person's situation what they've done, and that his mercy is for them. I'm operating from a place, as I beg the Lord, I'm operating from a place as though this person is unworthy and I'm begging for you to release it to them, or that I'm unworthy to ask for it to be released to them. That's what begging is. That's what pleading is. That's what you do to the Lord. And this, this blew my mind. And we say it with our mouth, don't we? Oh, all the time. All the time. All the time. I've literally said, Lord, we beg you. He won't honor that because that's demonic doctrine. That is not in his nature. He has more mercy than me. I don't need to beg. He already paid for it. The work is in the account. When did Jesus ever plead the Lord for the miraculous? When when Peter and John had just received the Holy Spirit, what did they do to the lame man at the gate? Father God, please. No, I do not have silver and coin for you, but what I do have I give to you freely in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
What I have, I give to you freely. Because it was paid for, it was in the account. I don't beg my banker to give me my money. I take it when I want it. And I use it as I want it. Why do we think that it's different with Jesus? But then it presents this other challenge. And and this is just a general question, but now look at your approach to the Lord in a moment where healing is necessary and you need to press in. How many of us don't know how to pray for healing now? Because we've only ever seen it modeled through begging and pleading. And I'm being genuine. I've only ever seen it modeled through begging and pleading. And those that did not beg and plead, I thought were unattainable. That's just a, that's a different holy roller. I'm just not there yet. Like, uh-uh. They just grasped the simplicity of the gospel where I complicated it. Which heir to a throne pleads his kingdom to listen? Which heir to the throne pleads his kingdom to operate in obedience to its orders? Do you think the kingdom of heaven When Jesus says, I need this done, Jesus has to come. Uh, Kingdom of heaven, if you feel like it, would you please uh, just allow the power to flow? No. He is an heir to the throne. His Father is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we are co-heirs. That means the authority of the firstborn, the heir to the throne, has been passed to us. We share that with Jesus. It's not just His. It's all of ours. By His sacrifice and His choosing to make us co-heirs. We are co-heirs with Christ. We sit in the throne room in heaven. You are an heir to the throne. Stop pleading and begging like a street person, like a homeless person. Yes. Mm-hmm. But where does that, that, and that's such a good point, Elaine, where does that really come from? That comes from a lack of relationship, a lack of trust, a lack of faith. Because if I have the fullness of faith that he intends for me to have, when he says that I'm his son, I'm his son, period. There's no ands, if, or buts about it. You can't convince me of anything else. And when he says I'm worthy, That's it. And when he says, Jesus created a ministry to give to me, to trust me, the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling a couple of people if you have the time. No, reconciling the world to God himself. Connecting them again. That is our ministry. And I am, he says that I am his reflection. I am, he is making his appeal through me. Of all people, he chose me to make his appeal for reconciliation to the world. So, but when I read that, if I lack relationship, I don't receive that. And so in a moment where that knowledge has to be there for us to stand on, it is not there for us to stand on because relationship doesn't exist, right? We've got to do that. We've got to press into the heavy things. We pray for the sick and the hurting to receive healing because we want him, we want Jesus to get what he paid for. He paid for the miraculous to be able to flow through me with his life. 
He defeated the grave that it would have no say, it would have no authority. It could not do anything to stop me from doing what all of heaven desires me to do. It, who can stand, again, Sunday, who can stand against God's elect? There is no one and there is no thing. There is no sickness, there is no ailment, there is no situation that can stand against God's elect. Period. So when we pray for the sick and the hurting, we're not pleading with Jesus to release a work. We are simply allowing Him to get what He paid for. He paid for the miraculous to break out in His people. He, he paid for with His life for the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit in us, not just in Him, in us. He, desire it, he desires it to be widespread and heavily a part of his, of his bride, the, the body of Christ. He desires it to be an active and everyday part of our lives. Um, James 5, 13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing. Praise, uh, let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And he, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. I totally forgot they were gonna read that tonight. That's where that came from. Oh my gosh, that's embarrassing. But he did this very thing. He prayed fervently. I love this. He didn't just kind of timidly step into it and said, Lord, if you feel like it, please, Jesus, hold the rein. No, he prayed fervently. He pressed in. He stepped into something. And in our prayer and in our intercession, it's the faith that is meant to be unwavering. 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 That it would not move from the truth of who he says that you are and who he says that he is. He paid a price to get the authority of heaven into us. But do we have the faith to steward it? Such a, such a question that needs to be answered. Such an important question that needs to be answered. Healing, being a process... It points to the reality that the healing is a relational journey. And if you lack relationship, how can you ever hope to introduce someone to a relational journey? How can we do that? Guys, everything that we've taught, every series that we've done for the last two years on Wednesday nights, every single one of them comes down to one thing, relationship, every single time. Everything is found in relationship with the Lord. 
It is a, healing is a relational journey. But when we start using it for personal gain, this is another point that we need to recognize. When we start using it for personal gain, and personal gain does not look like just having the elevation of you, but it's, it's talking about selfish moments. I want John to walk out of that chair. I don't want him to exist in that chair. But if the Lord did not say to pray for that right now, and I start praying for that right now, that is a personal gain because that, that was born out of a selfish place. This was, this was so difficult for me, but we had, um, we, we had a young man. You guys all know this. Uh, this is just, it was, it was really hard. This was one of the hardest moments for me in understanding this as a pastor. I really had to sit with, the, not just as a pastor, just as a person um, who walks with the Lord. But I've had moments where people have come to me desiring for me to pray for healing over a loved one. And the Lord's answer is, do not pray for healing. It's like, I don't, what? And how do I tell them that? The Lord has said not to pray for healing. Oh man, I'll get crucified right then and there. They won't ever come to me. They won't ever turn to me. It's like, this is really difficult. This is a hard place to be. Because that, that is not what the Lord desires in this situation. And he doesn't want begging. He doesn't want pleading. And one of the, the, one of the times that I've seen this, that, that it was just profoundly beautiful, and I talk about this all the time, but was Betty Medford. The Lord said very clearly, do not pray for healing. He said, and because I, and he said that, and it was, it was several weeks of me wrestling with that. Because that's what everybody wanted to pray for. And that, that's not, that, doesn't, that doesn't make you a bad person. That's not what I'm saying. That's just where we naturally wanted to go. A person that we loved was sick and we wanted them to be better. But once I, okay, Lord, you don't want us to pray for healing. What do you want us to pray for? Pray that she would see my glory. Okay. And they showed me how he wanted us to pray, and we did that, and she passed that evening. I mean, just as we were leaving, she was gone. And, and you were there, and you witnessed her see the glory of the Lord and leave. It was profound, profound. But it, to, to have prayed and gone against the Lord would have been to have missed something profoundly beautiful. To, to rob somebody of something that the Lord desired. It was so much greater than just a couple more days here on the earth. It's like, no, 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 no. I want her home with me. And she's going to go out as Stephen went out. She's going to see my glory. She's going to look me eye to eye. And she's going to be with me. And that's all she's going to know. She's not going to know suffering. She's not going to know sadness or departure or just all the things that she wished she would have done or didn't do and all that. She's just going to see him. And then she's just in, in this miraculous moment, she's just going to be with him. And perfect peace, perfect harmony. We miss these moments when we, when we start using gifts, especially the ones of physical manifestation for personal gain. And that does not mean that I'm trying to boast the name of myself, but when it originates in a selfish place. And it's easy to do. It's really easy to do with kids. It's really easy to do with kids. We, we, we all wanted this for Kennedy. 
We wanted her restored. We wanted her here. But what did the Lord say that he wanted to do through her? He wanted to bring revival to the hospitals. That's what he said he wanted to do. We didn't know how he was going to do it. We just knew that's what he wanted to do. And through her death, he did it. And I mean, just testimony after testimony after testimony of profound things. And I now, fully believing that this is a result of that, have people in counseling that are in those hospitals, that are receiving their identities, receiving the Holy Spirit, and then going into those places. I have one that talks about how they know they can sense now in the Spirit, and the Spirit tells them, gives them this moment of discernment when they need to begin to intercede over a room before the call even comes in. And so they will literally walk into a trauma room and they will just begin to anoint it with the presence of the Lord. And sure enough, a little kid will come rolling in every single time. And it's profound what the Lord has done through that. This is because we stopped to listen to what he wanted to do instead of selfishly pursuing what we wanted to see. Right? That, that's the important thing. But that requires faith and trust and relationship. But when, again, when we start using it for personal gain or another place that has, um, that has departed from faith and righteousness, it's just I'm operating within myself right now, the Lord in His grace and his, in His mercy will always put a stop to it. It will never yield the result that we desired when we left it for selfish reasons. He will not allow us to run off with that which belongs to Him. He paid a price for us to have access to it but it does not belong to us. It is His. He paid the price. He is the first of us, the greatest of us. He paid the price. And it is ours to operate in obedience to His will, not our own. Right? His will. Uh, we want Him, again, to get what He paid for, and He paid to have access to you to do what only He can do through you. This is what He paid for. We are simply a delivery system, delivering a check that we did not write. Uh, and these, these are his people when he, that he sees suffering. He feels that suffering. And we need to recognize that. These are his children. These are his people, the ones that know him and the ones that don't. The ones that don't, he feels it even more so because he wants them to know them, know him uh, through this process because he knows he, he has answers and he has solutions. Um, but these are his people, and when they suffer, he feels it. Saul, uh, when he's met on the road to Damascus, he's persecuting the church. He's killing Christians. He's killing believers. And what does Jesus ask him? Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? So when we do things in his name or toward his people and or towards his people, it's as if we are doing it to him. He takes it personal. He cares, so simple, but so important for us to remember when it comes to these gifts, the gifts of healing. He cares more than we do. He cares for John's souls more than we do. He cared for Kennedy more than we ever will. He cares for these people more than we do. So we need to trust him to do what we cannot and press into him. And then from that place, gifts will flow when it's time for them to flow. 
but it's so important for us to recognize that he cares more than us. So if he's not telling you to pray for healing, it's because he has something different for them because he cares more for them than we do. And we see in the short term, right? He sees decades. He sees the span of eternity and he sees what one action will do for generations. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him to tell you when it's time to press in. Trust him to lead you into moments when it's not time to pray for healing to to tell you what it is time to pray for. Trust him. And then we will see the gift of the gifts of healing made manifest in the body of Christ if we would only but trust him, not do it from personal gain, not do it from uh, uh, selfish places. Uh, And again, it's not a bad thing to want a good thing for somebody else. But if it originated in you, it's not of the Lord. Just he has something better for them. If if you, right, if you, an imperfect person, can give good gifts, what more can your perfect father do, right? It's important for us to remember. Uh, This is the, the gifts of healing. This is the mindset that we need in the body to see this, these gifts made manifest and flow through us. We've got to have this as, as our mindset. This is our base. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about just what it was at its foundation and why it's been manipulated and just so misunderstood for so long. And now with a correct mindset, will we step in or will we stop satisfied with knowledge and, and stop short of experience? The Lord has not led us into this series that we would stop satisfied with knowledge, but that we would step into experience. Now it's time for experience. Pursue relationship and let him lead you into moments of experience. Mm